twin brothers David and Jason Benham are former minor league baseball players, best-selling authors, and successful entrepreneurs. The Benham brothers gained national attention when HGTV canceled their TV show because of their Christian beliefs. Today, we're going to hear how they walked away from their dreams, boldly upheld God's word, and chose to live powerfully through it all. Guys, it's great to, great to see you. Thank you so much for coming on Takeaways. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you know, uh, we've been friends for so long that we love to insult each other. We love to mock each other. Uh, <laughs> and we can't do that right now because we've got an important topic to talk about. Um, we're talking about cancel culture. And that's something that you walk into. That's something that I've walked into. My family and friends are walking into it every single day. And when I look at your life, one big word comes to mind, courage. You've had courage to stand up. You've had courage to speak up. You don't shrink back from the fight, but you do it in a way that is admirable. And I, I, I appreciate that. Where, where does this courage come from? Well, I'm David. I'm the older brother. And so the only way Jason's courageous is when he sees me courageous. <laughs> That's right. He's really terrifying. He's afraid of all things, similar to yourself, Kirk. But anyway, so Jason and I, what, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the spirit of the living God lives inside of us, just like he lives in you and, and the viewers that are watching this. And and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's also the lamb that was slain. And so there's a delicate balance when we are walking by the power of the Holy Spirit with the lion and the lamb. And, and so what we see from the life of Christ and even Jason and I walking through our journey with not only HGTV, but getting removed from stages across the country at business events and other things. I mean, we're entrepreneurs and we're business leaders, speakers and authors. And yet many times we'll get asked to don't come to this event, even though we've already signed the contract and other things. And it's almost always rooted in the fear of man and a man pleasing spirit. That There is an agenda. There is a what Jason and I call a spiritual thought mafia that's out there. And it's a spiritual forces mm. of darkness that are empowering a very mob mentality in mainstream media and even many people in the church. And what we're doing is we're running away. That is not a time to be a lamb led to the slaughter, right? That is a time that the lion of the tribe of Judah needs to speak. And so what we've, what we've done in the church today is the gospel of nice has replaced the gospel of the kingdom. And we have to understand that the gospel of the kingdom advances and that That's we right. have the Hour of Christ inside of us. And so that's what really motivates us deep inside. Hey, will you let me say something to that, Kurt? I will. I don't know if your brother I will. will. He's the older brother. You don't need to one-up that. I usually have to mop up what he messes up. But I do have to say this, though, when it comes to courage, because, you know, there are people who are watching this right now who are scared to death when it comes to cancel culture, when it comes to the thought mafia going out there and, and maligning you and ruining your reputation, just because you believe in biblical truths and biblical principles, but I, I want to say this, that in our culture today, it's time for us to no longer be candles in shining our light, but being coals and burning and emanating our light. Like we need to replace the image of a candle with the image of a coal. You know, when the wind comes along and blows on a candle, Kirk, you know what happens to the light? It goes out. It goes out. Well, what happens when the wind comes along and blows on a coal, like the burning ember inside of a fire pit? When it the wind fans comes along the and blows flames, on that, it makes it hotter. It ignites. You see the same wind of culture that's trying to extinguish our light. And if we're shining like a candle, which means we're lit on the outside, then our light's going to go out. We're going to run. But if we're more like a coal that's burning on the inside and we've done what we needed to do when Paul is instructing, you know, his young protégés on how to how to make sure that you're fanning that flame that's inside you. 
when you're spending time alone with the Lord in that secret place where you're diving down with him, that makes you a coal. And when the winds of culture mm. change and they start to blow on you to extinguish That's your life, good. the very act of the wind blowing is the thing that will ignite it. Okay. Yeah, I like I his answer so much no. better than no, yours. Let me one Listen, that. listen, I got to just tell it. you that what he said is so true because I make campfires in my backyard almost every night. And when the wind kicks up, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I don't want the wind to go away. I want it to come because it just stokes those flames up and makes them even bigger and brighter and hotter. And you know what's interesting is that the coals that you you bring the coals together because coals separated soon die out. And Jason and I are watching what's happening with COVID and certain churches closing and all this other stuff. It's like, well, that's exactly what the devil wants us to do is to separate. But we've got to heap the coals together. That's That's the reason why we love this show. That's the reason why we like connecting with many of your viewers around the country as we speak is that coals, we've got to stay together because that's when the flames get even hotter. And and what happens is we in the church today in America, quite often we possess a form of godliness, but we've denied its power. Like we're lit like a candle. And when the wind comes, we're afraid of losing our job or we're afraid of being ridiculed or criticized. Now, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be ridiculed or, or criticized, but we cannot forget the power of Christ's words. Matthew 5.11, he says, he says, blessed are you when men persecute you and falsely accuse you for my name's sake, right? He says they will falsely accuse you. That is the root of cancel culture is yep. false accusation yep. to call you something that you are not. And as Christians, we don't shrink back from that. We step into that in three very specific ways. We demonstrate the kingdom in our lives first. Then we can define the kingdom. It means we can clearly articulate from a biblical worldview why our worldview works, why Christianity is life. And But then lastly, we defend the kingdom. So we defend, we, we demonstrate it in our lives, we define it with our mouths, and we defend it with our lives as well. Man, this is all such great stuff. And taking a stand under fire, taking a stand uh, during the storm, uh, it requires a, a solid foundation. Who laid that foundation for you? Well, we can honestly say that was our dad. Uh, he's a national pro-life leader. We grew up, he was a pastor, and uh, he discovered that there were, I, fig- I forget how many abortion clinics. In- we were in Dallas, Texas, which is home of God's favorite football team, and most everybody knows that. But he <laughs> We were in Dallas and and we were young teenagers and our dad discovered there were over 20 abortion clinics in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he said, you know what, guys, we're going to do something about this. We're going to put the Bible into practice. It says we're supposed to rescue those uh, moving towards slaughter. So we're going to go and we're going to go and do something about these innocent babies lives. And so this is back in the day, you know, the pro-life movement was a little crazy there at the beginning and then it kind of settled down a little bit. But our dad was right there on the front lines. We saw our dad get carted off to jail. We saw him get punched in the face. We saw him get maligned and spit on and all sorts of things, but we watched him stand strong. And so, you know, that's convicting as a dad, Kirk. I mean, how many of us recognize that, especially as parents? But what we discovered growing up is that courage is better caught than taught. Like when you live courageously, it stiffens the spines of others, as Billy Graham says. Mm. And so we learned that from our dad. And one of the cool things about our dad is that, you know, he he still doesn't use Instagram, Facebook, nothing. He, so he's got no followers, like no influence. He's never published a book. He doesn't have a mega church. He doesn't even dress cool. 
But he's got some boys and a lot of other men that are following him because they see his courage. And quite often we we have so glamorized celebrity preacher Christianity or famous rich Christians or whatever. We so glamorize it. And thank God for those that have been blessed. But it's the courage in the little things when no one else is watching. That's when your children and your children's children are going to follow you hard. Well, guys, today we're talking about cancel culture. Um, can you just talk, again, and you've experienced this as much as anybody, can you talk about what cancel culture is and why it's so alarming? Well, what cancel culture is, is it's a weapon that is a spiritual weapon that's being used by mainstream media, by the university elite, by big tech, by big business elites. The elitists that want to control the world, they have no idea which spirit they are operating under, but what it does is it targets anyone who would stand for truth. It's not targeting the Muslims. It's not targeting uh, any other religion or any other faith here in America. It's not targeting any um, other thoughts or ideas or lifestyles. It is 100% targeting anyone that would live out the Judeo-Christian worldview because God's ways are best. The devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes that we may have life. So when we talk about marriage, when we talk about gender, when we talk about human sexuality, when we talk about life beginning at conception, when we talk about work ethic, it all roots itself in God's design in the Garden of Eden. And so the devil wants to attack his design. Before sin existed, gender existed because God designed it. Human sexuality existed because God designed it. Marriage existed, work existed, and you know what else existed? Maximum freedom with limited regulation. From any tree you may freely eat, but of this tree you may not. But now the devil flips everything upside down, and he wants to define gender. He wants to define sexuality. He wants to define marriage. He wants to define life. He wants to define freedom. He wants to define work. He wants to define everything. So what happens is the devil wants to flip it upside down and bring his kingdom. Now, You've got to get the church out of the way. You've got to get true Christians out of the way in order to do that. And so what happens is cancel culture is a weapon that targets true Christians. That it was First, it starts as we just simply marginalize them. We just marginalize them. But then the second step is we want to demonize them. But then the third step is we want to criminalize them. That's where we are today. So it started with marginalization in the... 50s, 60s, 70s, we start to push God out. We have some Supreme Court rulings in 1962, Engel versus Vital, prayer is out. 1963, Abington versus Shemp, Supreme Court decision, now Bible reading is out. All of a sudden, or vice versa, but those two Supreme Court decisions, 1980, Stone versus Bolton, the the Stone, ten versus Stone versus Graham. The, the Ten Commandments can no longer be posted in the schoolroom anymore. So now we're marginalizing uh. Christians. But now, then what started happening in the 2000s with the advent and the rise of social media, now you can start demonizing Christians. You're haters. You're bigots. You're intolerant. And so the demonization has continued to the point where we are just about to enter the criminalization phase, where you will be thrown in jail. We're seeing that in France. We're seeing it in England, where you're criminalized for not using someone's so-called pronouns, gender pronouns. This is what's happening, and that's why it is so important for Christians to recognize who is in us. And this is a time now, you cannot be a silent Christian. You have to speak the truth because when people know the truth, 
What happens, Jason, when people know the truth? They're made free. They're set free. Guys, you came face to face with cancel culture. Tell us the story. So Jason and I had just gotten out of pro ball. We started a real estate company in Charlotte, North Carolina. It grew to 100 offices across 35 states. We were applying the principles of the Bible. It was awesome. And at the height of our business, we got a phone call from a production company that says, do you guys want a reality show? So we're like, sure. So they took a small sizzle clip to L.A. They came back and they said five networks wanted us. TLC made the first offer. Now it's the spring of 2013. TLC makes us this offer. They wanted to do a show called Twinning. We still have no idea what that was about. But anyway, in the middle of that, HGTV came to us. They had just signed Chip and Joanna Gaines to a show called Fixer Upper. They hadn't even done a pilot yet. So they said, we've got this family, the Gaines, and we really want to take the Benham family. We want to give them a show called Fixer Upper. We want to give you a show called Flip It Forward. And we want to raise these families to the top of our network because we really like the way that y'all's families uh, work together. So we were like, oh, this is going to be great. So we go about six months, we're negotiating with HGTV and they reached out to us and they said, man, we noticed that you guys are very vocal about some of the politically incorrect issues, specifically life and marriage. And they said, literally, they said this, many of us believe just like you guys do, we just don't talk about it, which was very interesting. So we said, look, hey, you, you can read any blog, you can watch any video. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we, we like you guys. We want to sign you. We just want to, we want to make sure that, that uh, you guys understand that there are, there are groups that are out there that are not going to like you, but that's okay. We believe you're going to be stars on this network. Fast forward, 2014, we are five weeks into a 10-week film shoot. Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines had just done the pilot. Great reviews. The, the showrunners from Waco left Fixer Upper, came to Charlotte. Now we're five weeks in filming Flip It Forward. Commercials are running. Endorsements are coming in. The money is flowing. It is crazy. Jason and I literally cannot believe like this is actually happening. Wow, this is great. They know who our dad is. They know our, our, our faith. And yet they're continuing to give us this platform. So we get a phone call from our general manager at 9 p.m. at night. And she said, we were already done filming for the day. She said, hey, the filming is coming over. We're getting strings of some of the episodes. This is going to be amazing. You're going to be stars on the network. But there is a group called GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D, Gays and Lesbians Against Anti-Defamation. They said, HG goes, this group is all over us. They do not want you guys to have a show. But don't worry. We're sticking with you, and you're going to be stars on the network. Fast forward, we get a phone call or we get a text um, 6 a.m. saying, guys, what's happening to your show? And we're like, we don't know. Well, all we know is we're going to be stars on the show. They said, have you seen HGTV's Facebook page? So we went, and on Facebook, it had one sentence. We are reviewing the Benham Brothers show. And underneath it, hundreds of comments from just people all across the country had no idea where they came from, just saying all kinds of horrible things about us and our families. We're like, what on earth happened? Well, Glad did not like the response from HGTV. So Glad tapped right wing watch on the shoulder and said, provide a new narrative on the Benham brothers. So right wing watch wrote this article that said, look who HGTV is about to bring to their network. And it just 
literally nothing but lies and slander and smear. They said things like we were at mosques chanting God hates Muslims. Nothing could be further. We've never even been to a mosque. Mm. This is craziness. And so then they started pillaging. They mobilized all of their activist groups in college campuses across the country. They mobilized all these other activist groups to do a hostile social media takedown. So they just started pounding HGTV, pounding them on social media, pounding their phones, hitting them with emails, saying these are haters, these are bigots. Uh. So all in one day, that started at 6 a.m. By 11 a.m., we got a call from the two executives in Scripps, New York, in New York City, and the general manager of HGTV. And they said, guys, and the GM was crying, we're going to cancel the show. She goes, I wow, can't believe they're like doing that. this to you. Just like that show was done in four, no, that's five hours from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. We got canceled. That's when Jason and I knew, this was 2014, we knew we are in the belly of of a whale. Mm. We are we are watching what's coming to America and if we don't stand, it's going to get real tough on Christians. That's chilling to hear. And um, you guys have taken the opportunities to take the lessons that you've learned and put them into uh, formats that we can benefit from. Like this book here, Whatever the Cost, you document the stories that you've been through and then you, you give us ways to face our fears and uh, die to our dreams and live powerfully. Uh, you got 12 valuable lessons that you learned here. Can you share just a couple of those with us? Let me just go back onto our subtitle of that book that you just read, because what David and I discovered is you won't face your fear until you first die to your dream. And what we mean by that is whatever your goal is, mm. whatever your dream or desire is, or whatever it is that that thing that God has placed into your hand, you have to first let that go. Then you'll face your fear. Now, the devil knows that your greatest blessing is only found on the other side of your greatest fear. So what he'll do is he'll get you focusing on that thing you don't want to lose so then you won't go out there and use your voice to speak or stand for truth, right? You know, so David and I had to first die to our desire to have a platform given to us by HGTV. We had to die to that first before we stood strong, right? It's the same thing that we encourage pastors with. Like you won't stand strong until you first let go of your congregation, until you let go of that, your income and image then and you'll stand strong. You see, one of the lessons that we learned because it just, when, when you start looking at, so many young people who are scared to death to stand for their faith. I look and I think about Elijah, who stood strong against 400 prophets of Baal, 400 dudes who came in the spirit of Baal. And that spirit of Baal is God's not the real God, right? And Elijah stood against them. And then they ended up, those guys ended up getting killed. But then Elijah ran from one person, one person. It was one woman who came in the spirit of Jezebel. See, the spirit of Jezebel is far more evil than the spirit of Baal. Baal says, God isn't the real God. Jezebel says, I don't care about your God. Jezebel's spirit is that sexual anarchy, and I will kill you if you, if you disagree with us and stand against us. That's who Elijah ran from. Elijah runs, and he hides in a cave, Kurt. And God asks him, what are you doing here? And he's like, man, I've stood for you, but now she wants to kill me. And then, you know, we know the story. God passes by in the hurricane and the earthquake and the fire. And then God asks him a second time, Kirk, what are you doing here? And Elijah gives him the same response. And at that point, God says, okay, go appoint Elisha. And then Elijah's taken up into heaven and he never dies. My opinion Elijah, a hero of the faith, but yet at the end, God had to replace him with someone who would stand against the spirit of Jezebel. The spirit of Jezebel is happening today. It's inhabiting cancel culture that says, 
If you don't believe like us, we will annihilate you. And it starts, Kurt, in sexual anarchy Mm. because that's one of the first things that God created. He created male and female, puts them together and says, become one. And Satan's like, I'm going to pervert that. And I'm going to pervert it, and I'm going to then create this spirit that 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 discourages people and tries to force itself on people to tell you to be quiet and don't talk about that. That's why we have to find men and women today, boys and girls today, who are willing to stand against this evil, demonic, foul spirit that's the Jezebel spirit that is now called cancel culture, that we say, whatever the cost, we'll stand. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good, and that's that always seems to be the um, the point, uh, the target, the point of the attack, and we need to stand against that. I, I love this lesson that your dad taught you. He said, if your theology is not your biography, then your theology is worthless. Break that out for us. Yeah. So if what we think about God does not translate into the, the way that we act for God, then it doesn't matter. It all just stays in the mind, and and it's interesting. Because I I want to give a historical lesson that Jason and I give often when we speak and when we write about that very statement. You know, back in the Third Reich with Hitler, he actually made a bargain with the church. He said, you can have your theology. You can have your services. You can even evangelize. You can sing and you will be paid by Germany. That's the way it was in the German church that they were paid by the state. He says, you can have all of that. But you cannot organize and mobilize and speak against the state. In other words, if the state goes off the rails, you can't do anything about it. You lose your salary. You can have your theology, but it cannot be biography. You You can actually be saved, but you can't be salty. That's what that is. And so Jason and I, we were raised with, no, if Jesus saves you and sets you free, then you need to share your testimony. And if he has actually, there are many homosexuals that are out there that have been set free, but now you're not allowed to tell your testimony because it's not politically correct. And you're speaking technically against the state and it's wrong. It's an attack on the gospel. So that's why our theology of the church has to be biography and lived in the streets Mm. And the gates will never prevail against us. That's so good. Now, you guys are examples of those who, who understand that you can only really be canceled if you allow yourself to be canceled. Because you've given up the dream so that you can fearlessly face the challenges and you trust God for the results. Um, talk about self-censorship and how dangerous oh, yeah. that is. Self-censorship goes hand in hand with whatever it is that God has placed in your hand. I I go back to what I said earlier, that you won't face your fear until you die to your dream. Think about David, little David, young David. This is after he was anointed king by uh, Samuel. And now his dad, David's dad, Jesse, tells him, hey, I need you to go bring some food to your brothers out who are on the battle line. You know, the Israelites were drawn up in battle against the Philistines. We all know this famous story. But David goes out there and while he's on his way there, he hears this giant taunting the armies of the living God. And David hears it. And so in that moment, David could say, hey, guys, you know what? I was anointed king. One day I'm going to be king. And whenever I'm king, I'm going to do something about that giant. David could have said that. But but that's not what David said, because David didn't look at the promise that he had of one day being king. This is going to be a great platform for him and say, oh, I need to protect this as much as I can Mm. so that I can stand for the Lord one day. No, David was like, okay, whether I get that promise or not, uh, all I know is that dude's got a big mouth. And I'm not here to pray for Goliath. I'm here to slay Goliath. That's who God is raising up right now. But David had to first die to that thing. 
You know, when he stepped out there in battle against Goliath, if he got killed, he doesn't get that promise that God gave him. But David was willing to sacrifice that and said, I'm going to stand for truth. He stands for a lie and I'm not going to let him do that. So self-censorship goes hand in hand with that thing that God has given to you that you don't want to let go. You have to let go of that first. Then you'll face your fear. And you know what happens when you face your fear, Kurt? Boldness precedes the miraculous. When you stand boldly for the Lord, it Mm. precedes a miracle. You need a miracle in your own personal life. You know what? If you're watching this right now and you need a miracle in your life, God's asking you to let go of that thing that you're not willing to let go of. Whatever it is, he'll tell you right now. Then he wants you to face your fear. And then God promises when you face your fear and you make it through whatever that fear might be for you, stand strong in that moment. And God promises there's a miracle headed your way. Mm. Well, we just had church. We just had church right here on Takeaways with the Benham Brothers. I want to close with this quote from your book, Whatever the Cost. Uh, This was said by Dr. Martin Luther King in 1968 in Washington, D.C. He said, cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it politic? Is it politically correct? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular but he must take it because conscience tells him it is right. Man, what a great word for all of us. At some point, our faith will be tested if it has not been already. The path that we take as followers of Christ is based on one question, is it right? We must decide. So let's remember the Benham Brothers story and let's choose Christ. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.